I've been waiting 23 years to say that. This episode, even though not officially, is brought to you. Holy shit, I've really got to turn down. Why is the volume so high? Holy Because you touch yourself at night. I know. Well, I'm looking at my recording going, wait a minute. Why is everything spiking? And it's my recording volume was turned way up for some reason. I don't remember doing that. That's sorry, if we up, just blew, so. sorry if we just blew out your ears that moment. I'm going to have to really edit those first couple seconds. What I was trying to say was this episode not officially brought to you by Pepsi and Nilla wafers because that's what Justin's snack is right now. <laughs> it's breakfast and lunch because I am a horrible person. That's all right. All right, so... This is, of course, the FBI's Most Unwanted. You know that because you downloaded the show. But just in case you're listening and didn't download the show for some reason, I don't understand how that would work. But I'm Matt. I'm Justin. And this uh, episode, we are covering Season 1, Episode 9, Fallen Angel. It's uh, written by Howard Gordon and Alex Gansa, directed by Larry Shaw, and originally aired November 19th, 1993. Three, and a brief piece of trivia, this was actually the lowest rated episode in the history of the series. The least amount of people watched this one as compared to the rest of the series. Really? So, yeah, I don't know. I guess last week's episode really turned them off and they were like, oh, fuck, do I really want to go back to that X-Files show after that horrible space alien ghost episode? God, ugh. <laughs> we will not go back over that. <laughs> All right. Um, so this episode is a little bit notable in that it introduces a minor reoccurring character, Max Fennig, and it also plays a little bit with uh, some of the overall conspiracy. So <clears throat> let's dive in. And I realized this episode, I want to try something different next week, but we'll talk about that at the end of the episode. Um, no pants because I've just been doing that every day. No, I mean I could do it without pants as well, but I mean in turn, eh, we'll see what happens. Uh, so this episode cold opens in a little place called Townsend, Wisconsin, at twelve fifty-seven a.m. on day one, and they don't tell us what day one means. We kind of figured that out as we go along. I don't know why. The days in this one are important compared to in other episodes, but whatever. Uh, and then there's like uh, fire in the woods and a police guy shows up and uh, he looks like the some of the police local to me in that he's a little bit roly-poly for a police officer. <laughs> yeah, isn't there, isn't that's always been the trope. If you're a local police officer that's not a main character, you have to be kind of a little bit on the heavier side. I guess so. Um, but, anywho, um, he radios in and is like, yo, I got this fire. I need fire response crews. And all he gets back is static. 
And so he's like, whatever, I'm going to get out and go look. Cause he goes to look. And, um, then we end up at the U S space surveillance center at Cheyenne mountain in Colorado, which is actually home of NORAD, the North American aerospace defense. They do the, uh, Santa tracking every Christmas. So that's why I know the term Cheyenne Mountain <laughs> from when I was a kid. Nerd! A, yeah. And also from when I'm an adult. Who, who am I kidding? Anyway, uh, one soldier, this is kind of like, uh, he's like, oh, uh, dude, we saw this unidentified thing. You need to come see it. And the superior officer goes over and uh, lots of stuff about, boy, this is really weird. Uh, it crashed in Wisconsin at around 800 miles an hour. And the underling people are like, well, we got to write a report about this. And superiors, nope, wait, nope. Don't say it was an unidentified craft. Say it was a meteor. And the weird movement was an instrument malfunction. <laughs> So we already know something's going on there because he's like, nope, that's just a meteor. That's all it is, you guys. It's all it is. No, nothing to see here. Move along. Nothing to see here. Move along, sir. <laughs> Move along, sir. Uh, yep. They took her job. Anyway, uh, so... Uh, the same superior officer who said it was just a meteor, he calls someone on the phone and says some code words, and he says, um, Fallen Angel in Wisconsin. Wow, I can't talk. <laughs> Fallen Angel in Wisconsin, mobilize Operation Falcon immediately. Uh, then we cut back to the officer going to check out the fire in the woods and we get this weird little POV shot on the ground and the officer is like looking around going, whoa, who's there? Whoa, who's there? He's actually not doing the whoa. I don't know why I turned him yeah. into Bill and Ted. Whoa. Whoa. Who's there? Whoa. And um, no one there and he looks at the ground and we get that – because that's where the sound is coming from. And he yells and there's a bright flash of light and like a slow-mo thing going on. And then the opening credits come on. So, yeah. Gee, okay. I mean, like, one of those things where we're like, I don't know, the, the, those POV shots of the creature or the thing or whatever. Mm -hmm. I, the weird like shaky camera that almost has like a delay on it. Yeah. Never works for me. Yeah, and it's like a weird, like, slow-mo kind of, I don't know. I don't exactly know what to call it. It's just weird. Yeah. Um, so, anyway, uh, we, uh, the next scene is at the Budget Rest Motel in Townsend, Wisconsin at 12.57 a.m. on day one. And this is where I got really confused for a second. I'm like, wait a minute. So this is happening at this. Mulder is already there. This is already happening at the same time that the police officer is just barely discovering the thing in the woods. Yeah. Like, what's going on? So uh, news report about toxic cargo and needing to evacuate Townsend. And this is where I was like, wait a minute. What? This is happening at the exact same time the officer just found this 
fire in the woods and the military. So did the military scene where they discovered the uh, thing flying through the air that was quote unquote a meteor. Did that happen before? It was really bad editing. Actually. I don't think they figured out what days were in this or how they do that. Cause no, I don't yeah, think so. Day, yeah. Like day one, but it's like, it's so contradictory. You're just looking at it going, well, this makes no sense. Right. It does. So anyway, um, the stuff on the TV is about toxic cargo from a derailed train and they need to evacuate this town. And Mulder is there, of course, and he has a flashback to a conversation with Deep Throat. Giggity, giggity. Giggity, giggity. Uh, <laughs> You know, I've actually never seen Deep Throat, the uh, porn movie. I know that that's the reference, and I know the conceit is that she gives a lot of head because in that weird fucked up world, her clit is in the back of her throat. Stay but, tuned um, as the as FBI's most unwanted do an episode <laughs> nothing but watching Deep Throat. Yep, yep, exactly. Uh, so anyway, Deep Throat is like, well, the Air Force picked up this UFO crash and Operation Falcon went into effect. And there's this guy, Colonel Colin Henderson, who's a reclamations expert. Uh, during the Cold War, he went and got a downed U.S. aircraft so that it wouldn't get into Soviet hands. And now he picks up UFOs instead or crashed UFOs instead. And there's more stuff and things, and Deep Throat is like, well, Mulder, you only have 24 hours before the area is scrubbed clean like nothing ever happened. Which is then how it comes into place, why they keep putting the time and day on the bottom of the screen. Which they probably should have done earlier, so it made more sense. <laughs> and I'm kind of skipping ahead, but at the same time, it kind mm -hmm. of is the next piece. Um, the fucking technology... That they use, like, to contain, quote-unquote. It's the fucking most ridiculous thing I've seen. Oh, the high-tech, the, the quote-unquote high-tech laser fence? Yeah! That's where I was just about to go, because Mulder is out in the woods, and he comes on the high-tech, the quote-unquote high-tech laser fence that he can't go through, but apparently it only keeps people in, because jumping further ahead, it definitely doesn't keep the alien in. Yeah, it's just like, <laughs> what was the point? Um, the point, I guess, is that the military in this case is dumb, or uninformed, or something like that, but, um... You know, Mulder, like, is spying from outside this laser fence, and he figures out the way to get on the other side of it is to hang on to the bottom of a truck that is going through the checkpoint. So he gets on the other side of the fence by, you know, pulling an Indiana Jones and hiding on the bottom of the truck. Which, um, by the way, when he gets up from under there... The fact that the he did not get spotted is so ridiculous. I mean, I know it's just that a show. Gonna... <laughs> it's just a show. I should, this shouldn't bug me as but much as it does. But he was right there by all those like troop tents. He literally crawled out from underneath <laughs> as guys are getting out of the van. I'm just like, what are you doing? I know it's 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 weird. Um, so stuff things. I'm skipping over. This is one of the things, like, I take all these detailed notes and I'm like, then I'm like, wait a minute, I didn't really need to take all these notes because basically what it comes down to is um, Mulder, he's inside the security perimeter and it's nighttime and he comes to the site of the crash 
and he can see that the, you know there's these men in these hazmat suits and a something is sticking out of the ground it's basically just like a corner of a something it's not a full something and he starts taking pictures of it and somebody comes up behind him a soldier and knocks him out cold so uh in the next scene his film remember <laughs> this is something they can't do i mean i guess now they can just take cell phones and delete the pictures but you kind of lose that dramatic scenery of someone like ripping out the film and holding yeah. it up to a light <laughs> so ridiculous uh, so we meet this Colonel Henderson guy that Deep Throat talked about earlier, who's like, you just made the worst mistake of your life, Agent Mulder. And Mulder is holding his face and says, I think you knocked out a filling. Yeah. <laughs> so that's pretty, that's all he has to say is, I think you knocked out a filling. And Henderson is like, you're going to pay the, he's very stereotypically angry military man. You're going to pay the price for putting my men at risk. And Mulder's like, when does taking pictures put anyone's life at risk? And I'm like, I think it puts a lot of people's lives at risk. Think about how many people have died trying to take stupid pictures. Yeah, there's people who have fallen <laughs> off cliffs for a selfie. I know. Or like, you know, you see those selfies of like, <clears throat> I think your life is at risk. Like you see those guys at like the top of the really tall towers yeah. who are like holding. I'm like, what the so I think taking pictures puts lots of people's lives at risk. But anyway, lots of arguing happens. And, <clears throat> you know, D Colonel is trying to feed Mulder this line that it's like an ecological disaster because of the toxic chemicals. And Mulder's like, well, it's an awful lot of firepower to protect the plants or whatever. <laughs> Mother Nature. Yeah. And then and, they, he had like a line as well as like about all the guns. Mm-hmm. A lot of guns to protect plants yeah. or Mother Nature or something. Mulder's a funny guy. And uh, eventually Henderson is just like, well, just forget what you saw or whatever you think you saw. And Mulder's like, look, there is a downed craft out there and your men are out there carrying guns. We both know what is going on out there. And so he gets thrown in a cell for his trouble and he ends up next to this uh, very nerdy looking long haired dude. Who's like, are you with MUFON or QFOS? Which uh, mutual UFO network is MUFON and QFOS is the center for UFO something or other. I can't remember. Um, and so the, this guy turns out to be Max Fennig, who is there from the National Investigative Committee of Aerial Phenomenon, which is NICAP, another UFO investigation group. And Fennig is like... Did you see anything out there? Because I didn't. I, you know, only made it 100 yards past the roadblock and they caught me. And Mulder says, you know, what makes you think there's something out there? And Fennig is like, well, the same thing that makes you so sure there's something out there. And that's the end of that scene because they the next morning suck Mulder... They at their security. Wait, what? They fucking suck at security because that guy's like, yeah, I only got like a couple feet. I'm like, I'm like, you had to come in the same way as he, as Mulder did, and they didn't think that through that like more people might do that. I don't know why. Yeah, I know, me. and it's like, unless he like climbed a tree and jumped over the laser fence that was only apparently like waist high or something. Yeah. I don't know. I couldn't tell how tall that laser fence was. Um, 
So anyway, the next morning, Mulder gets woken up because a door opens and light falls on his face and Scully comes in. And you know it's Scully because she's always wearing that overcoat and only Scully can look that good in an overcoat. Challenge Um, accepted. (laughs) And Scully comes in and Mulder just, he sees that she's there and he says, I didn't order room service. (laughs) And Scully's like, this isn't, funny Mulder and Mulder's like hey did you meet Max and he turns around and Max is gone and uh, basically what happens is Scully explains that Mulder's in a lot of shit he's there without any authorization and he you know broke a federal quarantine something or other and he's gonna be argued uh, he's gonna have to go in front of like this investigative committee who wants to shut down the X-Files and kick Mulder out of the FBI, which is going to become an ongoing theme for the rest say, of the yeah, show. I was going to say, like, obviously, I was looking at that, and I'm like, I was like, this is, for some reason, it just felt way too familiar with their, like, they're going to shut mm-hmm. us down. I'm like, well, I feel like a lot of episodes are going to be like this. Mm-hmm. And, well, Mulder, in fact, he says, what else is new? Yeah. And Scully, like, loses her shit. She's like, I don't understand you. You always violate the protocol. You always do this and that. And she like yells at him for quite a while. And Mulder finally says, because I know what I saw and there weren't any train tracks. So it's not a derailed container toxic spill. And Scully's like, yeah, I know it wasn't. It wasn't a toxic spill. But guess what? It wasn't a UFO either. And she says that it's a Libyan jet with a nuclear warhead. And Mulder laughs and says there was a Libyan jet with over U.S. airspace, and Scully's like, well, this and this and this and this is this story, and Mulder's like, and you really believe that story? And Scully's like, yeah, it's highly classified, and Mulder says, yeah, it's a highly classified lie. And so, which is funny that she believes it because it's highly classified. Yeah, that's the one thing I was like, you've been with Mulder already for however long, Mm -hmm. and you've seen some weird shit. But this uh, is mean, where you draw the line. At this point, since we're only on episode 9 or 10, or I, guess, I think this was actually episode 10. I think I said that wrong at the beginning. Um, but they haven't been together like a super long time, and she's kind of seen some weird shit. Um, but at this point, since it's only 10 episodes in, it's still believable that she did. There does come a point in the series where you're like, okay, she has to, her being a skeptic is becoming a little bit silly. Yeah. So, and actually for a while, they almost abandoned that entirely, like not all the way, but it gets less and less, but it still is kind of like a silly thing. Anyway. Um, there's some like helicopter noise and Mulder's like, you hear those helicopters? They're searching for someone. And Scully's like, yeah, the pilot. And Mulder says, all those people, all those soldiers, that's a lot of force for just one pilot. And besides no human pilot could walk away from the wreckage I saw. (laughs) Um, and so anyway, the next shot is back at the laser fence. We see an invisible figure. Kind of like the Predator, you know, Um, where you can see the outline, sort of, but it's supposed to be invisible, blending in like the Predator. 
Anyway, it creeps up to the laser fence, kind of looks at it, and then runs right through it. So what was the point of the laser fence in the first place? <laughs> yeah, it makes n- absolutely no sense. Yep. So uh, back at Mulder's hotel, you know, Mulder and Scully, they're kind of arguing about stuff. And Mulder opens the door to his room, and it's been totally ransacked, like turned upside down. Everything's thrown everywhere. The phone is off the hook. Um and they hear somebody in the bathroom. So they go over to the bathroom and they burst in. And someone is trying to get out the tiny bathroom window. And it's... Dun, da, da, Max Fennig again. And so Max is like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I, just, I had to know if it was really you. And Mulder's like, what do you mean, really me? You don't know me. Last night was... You don't know me, Mrs. Pancakes. <laughs> Um, last night was the first time, you know, we ever met and Max is like, well, sort of, but we've been following you, your career really closely, uh, because you became involved in the X-Files and through the Freedom of Information Act, we can, you know, you're Fox Mulder, you, uh, travel, your travel expenses are all a matter of public record. And Mulder's like, well, okay, but how'd you know what I looked like? And he's like, Oh, you know, I saw you in some like trade publications and I read your articles and stuff. <laughs> and it's like, oh, Max, you're a little weird. He, well, um, yeah, and it's just like, and he's like, why well, use a, uh, a different name or whatever? And he's like, yeah, it's not hard to figure out. <laughs> oh, yeah, because it was an anagram, yeah, of, anagram Fox but, yeah. Mul- of F. Mulder or whatever, something. I don't know. Anyway, they go out to, uh, Max's little Aerostream trailer and he invites them in and it is boo Max is a special guy. His stuff is lots of conspiracy shit filled in his little Airstream trailer and a whole bunch of radio equipment and computer stuff. And Scully, of course, finds a mountain of medications, which makes us question Max's state of mind. <laughs> Hooray. Hooray. Uh, Max is really proud of his super state-of-the-art radio and how he can pick up all sorts of channels. And it turns out he can even pick up the police band radio. And he has a recording from the officer from the cold open. But he also has a recording from 35 minutes later when the fire crew showed up. Calling in, you know, officer down, request for a medevac, and then somebody yells, what the hell? We have a situation. What is that? Ah! You know, screaming and stuff. Uh, then something about Operation Falcon. Really quick scene at Operation Falcon headquarters. Henderson saying it won't get away this time. And Mulder and Scully go to the uh, emergency evacuation center for the town where everybody's hanging out in the high school gym and they walk up to a woman and child who are also black like the officer in the beginning so i guess we assume in this case that that is you well know, they asked they went up to me excuse me are you but they, they got whatever oh, that, info yeah that's right and she goes they're like can we talk to you about your husband and she's like he's dead what else is there to know and she walks away and so they follow her and they're like, look, we, we, we just want to help. And we're, you know, we just, you know, we can help. And she gets all mad and she's like, look, I don't know anything. And then she gets real upset and says they won't even release his body. 
so we can bury him. And Scully's like, well, the government can't do that. We can do something about it. And the woman's like, no, 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 no. Don't, nope, don't say anything more. And Scully's like, well, look, you deserve to know what happened. And she's like, no, can't afford to know what happened because they came and they told me if we talk with anyone, they will cut off my husband's pension and I've got to be able to raise my kid. So somebody got to this woman before Mulder and Scully and then the lights go out and everyone is scared. And then we go to this place called us microwave substation B 21, where there's like a squealing noise and day coming through 34. Yep. Uh, lots of military stuff, high frequency noises, soldier with his um, heat signature binoculars says he, picks up their target and they do a search and destroy mission and they go into some kind of building that I couldn't even tell what the fuck it was. It was like half parking garage, half office. Um, it was weird. Uh, anyway, the point is this bright light attacks more people and there's more strobing and more soldiers yelling. And then it goes to the hospital and Mulder and Scully are there and a doctor says he can't discuss patient information without a subpoena. And Scully says, does that mean the officer was your patient? And he says, it means I have nothing more to say. And Mulder's like, well, what about if you talk to his wife and kid? Would you be able to say anything to them? Did whoever get to them get to you? Uh, something, what did they, you know, what do they have on you? Your medical license or something? And the doctor's like, well, I hate fascists. And Mulder's like, what? And the doctor's like, the men, they came in here and they pushed us around. And Mulder's like, you saw the uh, officer that night, didn't you? And the doctor's like, yep. And members of the fire crew. And they all had fifth and sixth degree burns over 90% of their body, which is really horrible burns. And he which is says bad not- if you haven't figured that out. Yeah, real bad. And says, not like any burns I've ever seen and the bodies were taken away too fast for me to examine. And so Scully says some medical stuff that the doctor understands and agrees with, but I didn't understand. Something about ion radiation. Oh yeah, Mulder says something about ion radiation. The doctor's like, huh, didn't even think about that, but yeah, probably. (laughs) And Mulder and Scully, they're, you know, going down the hall And they're leaving the hospital and Scully says, well, if they died of radiation, couldn't it have come from the cracked warhead going back to the official story that it was a jet with a warhead? And Mulder's like, yeah, no, because I've seen stuff like this before. And Scully's like, yeah, at uh, Ground Zero in Hiroshima and Nagasaki. And Mulder's like, no, bitch, close encounter burns. (laughs) Because, you know, people that come in close contact with aliens, they get these burns. I have a bunch of X-Files on it. Boom. Owned. And Scully's like, nope, I don't think that's true, but we have to leave. You're being investigated tomorrow. And if you don't go to the meeting, there's not going to be any more X-Files. She's such a Debbie Downer for this. She's just like, we need to leave. Otherwise, we won't have an X-Files anymore. I mean, to to her credit, she's trying to save Mulder's job, even even as he doesn't really seem to care if he keeps his job. Yeah. 
So she's at least like on his side. She's like, look, seriously, like I know something is going on here, but we're not going to figure out what it is if you don't have a job. <laughs> like if you're not in the FBI, you can't keep doing this. So she's at least trying. Um, and they're about to leave the hospital, but in the door come a bunch of super burned soldiers and Henderson comes in and he glares at Mulder and Mulder and Scully kind of look at each other and they go down to the emergency room and one of them's dead. And Mulder says to Henderson, what happened? And Henderson's like, nothing that concerns you. And Mulder says, yeah, it concerns me because we both want the same thing. And don't you see that chasing it down like makes it like a cornered animal? It's going to defend itself. You're going to get more people like killed doing this. And Henderson is like, if you don't get out of here with your partner in 30 seconds and the doctor that they were talking to earlier is like, nope, Scully stays right here. She's a doctor. We don't have enough people here to take care of these men. She's going to stay right here. And Henderson is like, no, no, no. You just do the doctor thing and I'll do my thing. Stay out of my job. And the doctor is like, look, out there, outside of this emergency room, you can do whatever the hell you want. But in here, I call the shots. Uh, assuming, of course, you want your men to live. <laughs> Which, good on the doctor. And Henderson is mad and he's like, get Mulder out of here then. <laughs> and they take Mulder. <laughs> Uh, the next morning, uh, Mulder goes to Max's trailer and he knocks on the door a bunch, but he doesn't get any answer. And so he just walks in rude. And um, like, what if Max was like taking a dump or what something? Was he cranking it? What if he was cranking it? Didn't want to answer. Uh, but no, he's having a seizure. And this is actually a pretty nice moment of acting from David Duchovny because he just goes like this whole scene and it goes on for a decent amount of time. It's just Mulder like holding Max, keeping him, you know, from um, flailing around and, you know, holding his jaw so he doesn't bite his tongue off or anything like that. And it's, just, I thought it was a really good piece of, like it's touching kind of in a way, like, Mulder looks really helpless, but also like that he cares en enough, you know? Yeah. I, I liked it. I thought it was good. It definitely was a nice piece, especially in a, in a show about supernatural stuff. Sure. Yeah. Um, and actually, the, the scene keeps being fairly touching because when Max comes to, uh, just in terms of character piece, and Mulder's like, you know, you, you were having a seizure – and Max is like, well, that's weird. I haven't had a seizure since I started taking medication seven years ago. And Mulder's like, well, I can take you to the hospital. And Max is like, no, no, I've, you know, I've had ep epilepsy my whole life. Like, I'll be okay. And Mulder gets him a glass of water and he's like, uh, Max just kind of starts telling him, like, I had my first seizure when I was 10 years old and doctor said I must have had a head injury, but I don't remember ever hitting my head. And Mulder says, you know, when you have a seizure, you don't remember any of it. And Max is like, when I was a kid, I used to wake up in strange places 
with no idea of where I was or how I got there. And Mulder kind of just gets this look because that also sounds an awful lot like people who got abducted by aliens. Yeah. Uh, but then Max is like, no, nah, I, I, I just have to go to sleep. And he goes and he lies down on his bed. And this is the other part I said was kind of nice. Mulder like grabs a blanket and like goes to tuck him in. <laughs> like, I'm like, oh, it's just like a nice character. It's just, but yeah, of course, it's really rare when we see David so far, at least in this, that we see David Duchovny's character feel like he actually takes a moment out of whatever he's doing to actually like care for others. Because most of the time, he's just like just throw one-liners and then whatever does whatever he can to just get him further into the quote-unquote truth of whatever the matter sure, is. Sure, he's, he's, he's mildly selfish um, and pretty single-minded. So it is kind of nice to, like, he kind of sees, like, this kindred spirit where obviously Max Fennig, since he's a UFO investigator, kind of wants the similar things as Mulder, and Mulder maybe sees himself in Max and just kind of wants to take care of him. Yeah. Um... So anyway, uh, while he's tucking Max in, making sure he's okay, he notices this weird scar behind his ear. And so uh, back in his hotel room, he's looking at all these old X-Files, and there's a picture of a man with a similar scar behind his ear as Max. And Scully comes in, and they talk a little bit. And finally, Mulder says to her, you know, what's happening out there, Scully? Because, you know, she says, you know, these men severely burned and all this stuff. And he's like, what's happening out there, Scully? And she's like, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. But we don't have time to find out. We have to leave. And Mulder's like, well, wait. Before we leave, do me a favor. Look at Max. He had a seizure and he had this weird scar behind his ear that, oh, by the way, here's these pictures of women that are abductee who say they were abductees who also have scars behind their ears. And Scully's like, look, I, yeah, he has epilepsy, but oh, by the way, he also takes very powerful antipsychotics that treat schizophrenia. Excuse me, my. Uh, I was like choking on my own something there. I wasn't I sure even... if it was your choking or you were laughing. I was like, dude, man. I wasn't laughing. No, I was like starting to choke on my own spit or something. I was like, what the hell is going My throat's been kind of bothering me today. Not like a sore throat, but like I've been outside all day and it's wicked cold uh... and dry. So my throat's been dry and now I'm finally getting my spit back and it's kind of weird. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> It's like my mouth and throat have been so dry all day that the spit in my mouth is weird. <laughs> Hot. Yeah, I know. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Uh, she, he's not an abductee. He's on antipsychotics. And Mulder's like, no, no. He doesn't think he's an abductee. I think he's an abductee. Please, come on, just look at him. It won't take that long. Give me your medical opinion. And she's like, fine, but go pack. <laughs> and uh, meanwhile, they pick up another unidentified object, these people at the radar base, but it's much larger. It's a bigger meteor than Me the first meteor. meteor. And it's hovering over Wisconsin. Uh, then we see that the alien... Goes into Max's trailer, runs up to him while he's asleep, and Max's ear starts bleeding. 
Um, and he opens his eyes and screams, and the screen goes white. And that's when Mulder and Scully go out and find he's not there anymore, but there's blood on his pillow. And they hear something on the radio, and Mulder leaves, and Scully's like, no, 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 we don't have time to go find Max. Like, we really have to leave right now to save your job. And Mulder's like, look, he was here even though he roams around the country, like it's not a coincidence that he came to the same town as a UFO crash. And if he really is an abductee, that would explain a lot of things. And the military also would know that he's here and that he's an abductee. So, um, also that, you know, we cut to Max and he's stumbling down a dock and he's holding his ear and some soldiers show up and hold on to him. Or try to hold on to him anyway. We find out in a minute that they don't get to. Um, and then somehow Scully and Mulder pull up. They just somehow knew that Max was going to this dock by Lake Michigan. I think I don't know how. I think, I think they listened to some of the radio on the in Fenning's uh, little trailer. That makes sense. Because that otherwise, because at first I was like, wait a minute, how did they get there? And I was just like, well, that makes sense. If That's true. They were listening in on their frequencies. Yep. Uh, and they find the Jeep and the soldiers are burned up and smoking and they hear a scream in this old abandoned warehouse and they run in and they find Max. Um, then outside the military swarms up and Scully goes out to try and talk to them, but she gets taken hostage or not hostage, but into custody or whatever. And, and she tries to tell the colonel that she's like, no, look, there's no alien in there. Max is just a schizophrenic. He's really sick. And the colonel obviously doesn't listen because he knows there's an alien. Uh, and uh, something, heat camera, three life forms in the building. Uh, the alien sneaks up on Max and Mulder and there's a big flash and Max screams and Mulder is thrown across the warehouse and when he gets back up and turns around max is gone uh, but he finds him around a corner and max is floating in midair glowing and a beam comes through the ceiling and it does something to max while Mulder watches and then outside the guy with the heat camera or heat binoculars or whatever says, wait a minute, now there's only one person inside the building. There were three and the soldiers are like, what the hell? And they go in and Mulder's the only one there. And the Colonel says, where is he? And Mulder's like, he's gone. They got to him first. And the Colonel has Mulder arrested. So huh. Max Fennig is off with the aliens and back at FBI headquarters, you know, Scully's getting questioned uh, about uh, Mulder's actions and things look pretty bad for Mulder and Scully tries to explain and the guy that's the head of the committee is just like, nope, it doesn't matter. You're dismissed. Get out of here. And in the hall, she goes out and Mulder's waiting there. And he says, you hear that, Scully? That's hammer and nails. They're building a gallows in the town square. But don't worry. It was only a matter of time. I'm surprised I lasted this long. And uh, Mulder's on crutches. And as he goes in, uh, Scully says, good luck. Oh, wait, did he, like, magically not have crutches or something? Like, 
No, he had crutches because of when he, I guess, when he got, like, blown across the warehouse, he but broke his he leg or something. was he standing when that happened? I thought so, but then, like, they gave him... He, I don't know. Well, he was standing. Like, he limped around the... I don't know if he limped around the warehouse or just walked, but it, anyway, he makes the joke. Uh, Scully says, good luck, and Mulder says, yeah, I'll break a leg. <sighs> so... Oh, Mulder. Anyway, in the hearing, uh, you know, they tell Mulder, you know, these are all the things we're accusing you of. What do you have to say? And he has a big argument about how, like, there was this big cover-up and there was, you know, no train and Max Fenning is gone. How do you explain that he's gone? And they're like, well, we found his body. And Mulder's like, yeah, okay. And... Uh, basically, he just says no government agency has jurisdiction over the truth, and he leaves. And the guy that's the head of the hearing, the next scene is him. He's walking outside, and he looks all like angry, and he's pumping his arms, and he um, meets up uh, with a man in a gray coat. We don't see the man in the uh, gray coat's face immediately, and he says, why did you overturn our decision? Like, this was our time to get rid of Mulder. Now we're never going to have another chance. And surprise, the man in the gray coat is Deep Throat, who says that they need to keep Mulder around because it's less dangerous than having him exposed to the wrong people. And he says, always keep your friends close, but keep your enemies closer. And then Deep Throat walks away, and that is the end of the episode. So we're left wondering, what is Deep Throat's deal? Is he really a good guy or is he really a bad guy? How deep is Deep Throat? Very deep. And that was this episode, Fallen Angel. Final thoughts? Letter grade? Overall, I enjoyed this one. It had a couple okay. of weird moments, like the whole laser grid mm-hmm. thing that made no sense i think it really was like up to at least the hip sure um, yeah but and over- the alien just ran right through it yeah. it's not even like he yeah yeah so i mean this was kind of like in the low b's like a like a b b minus maybe all right um yeah i think this episode is fine um it does some interesting stuff like i said i i Went on it for a little bit. I thought there was a really good character moment with Mulder and Max. And I also do think, like uh, I mentioned it earlier, but with Scully really being, I think this is really shoring up that, like, obviously at the beginning she's, like, mad at him because he keeps breaking all these rules, but she's mad at him because she cares. Like, she wants him to keep his job Um, but on the other hand, uh, I also think that, uh, some of this stuff is a little bit on the dull side. I give this one like a C plus. Cool. Yeah. So the next episode is, uh, let's see. Season one, episode 11. Yeah. I think at the beginning of this episode, I said episode nine, but I was wrong. Uh, season one, episode 11 Eve and I looked ahead because I'd forgotten I knew that I was like I think I know which one that one is and then I looked ahead at the description and I'm like oh yeah this one's pretty interesting so 
uh, next week's is uh, got a very good plot, I think. So looking forward to that. I'm down. So down. Nice. All right. Well, uh, for now, I think that's it. Remember, everybody, trust no one. Not even your own toilet. Not even your own toilet. It might be listening. It although could be. it's probably hearing some pretty horrific things. Yeah. <laughs> Later. Later. The FBI's Most Unwanted is a production of Two Broke Geeks Entertainment and is part of the Atomic Geekdom Network. Find the flagship Two Broke Geeks podcast wherever you download podcasts or online at twobrokegeeks.com. You can find the Atomic Geekdom Network at atomicgeekdom.com. Our artwork is by Justin Kowalski. You can find him on Twitter at J underscore Rocka. Our theme music is by Tony Longworth. You can find him on Twitter at Tony Longworth or on Facebook, Tony Longworth Dark Composer. You can help out the podcast by subscribing and leaving us a review. Thanks. 